0: This is the podcast by the Straits Times, and it's Monday. It's five fifteen, and that means it's time for our regular sports show, Game of Two Halves, where I host sports podcasters from the Straits Times. With me today, we have a Straits Times sports correspondent Zali Abdulaziz, as well as special guest Tan Li Yu, who is the general manager of the newly launched Lion City Sailors Football Academy. Thank you both for joining us. So uh, let's go straight into why Liu is with us. Last Wednesday, the Lion City Sailors, who are Singapore Football's first and only privatized football club, announced a revamp of their youth development system. The new setup will see kids from as young as three and includes a $1 million investment into an elite development program to develop players for its professional side. Liu, Can you tell us more about what sets the Lion City Sailors Football Academy apart from other private academies and youth setups in Singapore?
1: So I think there are two main differences. The first one would be that we would be providing a clear pathway through to professional football. This would be an academy that's focused on developing players for professional football and hopefully we can bring players all the way to the top of the game and maybe even uh, outside of Singapore. Second part would be in terms of investment. So most academies in Singapore would be at uh, youth development programs that is chargeable to parents Mm -hmm. as well as at the end of the day, they run it, uh, they'll be running it like a business. While for us, we will have an elite development programme and a scholarship programme as well uh, for kids that are uh, 12 years old this year. And this is a four-year programme that would be employing specialists for all-round development programme and use of a lot of modern technology. So these are the main things that uh, would be uh, the differences between us and the usual academies that you'll find out there.
0: What kind of modern technology are you talking about? I'm curious.
1: Yeah, so... Um, there actually um, football is uh, getting really scientific a big part of the game today is revolves around uh, video analysis So to be able to use to capture a lot of videos as well as to do analysis on the game, we would need to be able to use a technology that will be able to capture uh, this kind of uh, data. The usual uh, academy in Singapore today uh, would not be able to afford uh, such technology. Uh, For us, these are areas which we'll be investing in. We will also be investing in tracking systems to track uh, players' bio data as well as performance during trainings and during games as well. These are all uh, things that... Highly used by professional academies around the world today, but uh, unfortunately not easily employable in Singapore simply due to the amount of cost involved.
0: Interesting. Now, speaking of investment and cost, can you elaborate a little bit more on this $1 million scholarship?
1: Yeah, so this uh, $1 million um, scholarship is for players who are born in 2008. Mm -hmm. They are 12 this year. It will be a four-year program Mm -hmm. uh, that starts next year. January 2021, which means when they are 13 years old, uh, and that would take them through to 16 years old. Now, this program is um, aimed at developing them during this uh, very important four years of their development pathway. And post the four years, that's where they actually stand a chance to be offered a professional contract and go for early enlistment. And subsequently, a professional adaptation phase that would prepare uh, prepare them for professional football. If I could add, I think what caught the attention of a lot of
2: people, the sample program the Sailors have put out for for this particular squad, Lee, you just mentioned. I think the academy plans to have their TC elite players, uh, U players, come in, you know, five times a week from Tuesday to Saturday, and then have a game on Sunday. And for the days they do report for training, they have an hour of study time, you know, followed by team training, individual training, or or, or video analysis sessions, which is you know something that is not commonly found in fact I don't think it's found in Singapore at all. So it's a really refreshing and promising approach. Also a very ambitious one I think because of some of there there are very entrenched views by a lot of people, Singapore and, and the local football scene and what they think about youth development and about juggling players academic pursuit. So I think it's a difficult one but you know nothing ever worth doing isn't right. You know the, the, as the saying goes, let's hope sailors can pull it off.
0: Now speaking of difficult, what would be your response Liu to those who say that the Academy's plans for elite development programme are too difficult or impractical to implement? This
1: program is definitely a very rigorous one and something that, you know, I think uh, most coaches in Singapore would would, would feel that, you know, it's too tough for the players. However, I'd like to defer because this is a program that really aims to prepare them for something that's very difficult ahead which is a career in professional football Mm -hmm. now I, I would like to bring the attention of everyone to a very successful sport in Singapore which is swimming right our swimmers today they are doing well you know some of them at the international scene the kind of hours that they put in is far more than what our footballers do they wake up in the morning before school swim go for their swimming training right they go to school after school they go to the pool again They finish their homework, they go for their swimming training, and some of them train up to 13 times a week. You know, morning, evening sessions, double sessions from Monday to Saturday, and then single session on Sundays. Now, this is the kind of sacrifice that our citizens are capable of for something that is really worth sacrificing for. So I believe really that there are players and there are parents who are supportive of this and who would be ready for this kind of rigorous program.
0: Now, you've been involved in the youth football scene in Singapore for quite a while now. So just following on from that, what's your assessment of the potential of young Singapore players?
1: Now, this is my assessment. And and I've been, so just a bit of background, I've been running Football Academy since 2011, which is about nine years. We we do have really, really talented players. You know, when we go for international tournaments, when we are playing against other international teams in the age groups of eight, nine, ten years old, we are pretty competitive with them because fall off really is when we turn 13 and that's when the rest of the world really pulls apart uh, from us. And, and clearly, you know, um, this, is where this is something that we are looking to rectify now. Um, and I would just like to touch uh, on the fact that, you know, when, when some of the European coaches, they are invited to come to the uh, academy to train our kids in the past, they actually pointed out that we do have talents at 10 years old where it's good enough to be actually recruited for top academies in Europe but when they look at our kids that are 13, 14, 15, they would then commend that, you know, um, they won't stand a chance since the rest, uh, that's the top.
0: So this is where your scholarship comes in to kind of take that age group to the next level.
1: Yes, that's correct. And as well as, it's not just about the four years in the scholarship, it's what's after that as well.
0: We've reached the halfway point of the podcast. If you like The Straits Times Game of Two Halves, you can listen live on Money FM 89.3 at 5.15pm every Monday, or you can subscribe to hashtag Game of Two Halves on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. Now back to the second half of our conversation with Straits Times podcaster, Sazali Abdulaziz, and our special guest, Tan Lee Yu. Now moving on to the English Premier League, because this week on Wednesday. We've got uh, we've got two big matches. Aston Villa hosts Sheffield United while Manchester City takes on Arsenal. Now there'll be EPL action almost every day from June 17th to the week of July 4th, with the season scheduled to end on July 26th. And all games are to be played behind closed doors. Sazali, so, what are you looking out for?
2: It's a bit strange because the biggest prize, the most important thing, are the title. we already know who's going to win it, but there's still quite a lot to play for in the last last nine round of games so it's a pretty exciting time you know for one there's a question of whether champs in waiting Liverpool can can reach the 100 point record held by Manchester City from two seasons ago they need six wins from their last few games and I think it'll be interesting to see whether they can hit the ground running and, and build steam needed to do that and there are also intriguing races for the remaining Champions League spots in the top four as well as you know, to avoid the last three uh, places, which which would mean relegation. In the chase for Europe, Leicester Wolves and Sheffield United have crashed the party and among the top six now. So effectively, we have eight teams, you know, vying for three places uh, in the lucrative Champions League. At the other end of the table, you know, Norwich are mathematically still alive. They still have a chance of surviving, <laughs> but their running doesn't look good. And above them, you know, four points separate five teams. So, like I said, you know, we, we all know who's going to be champions, but we don't know a lot else. It'll be an uh, interesting uh, last few rounds of games.
0: Cesali, you've given us a quick update on who you think might hit the ground running. But uh, Liu, who do you think is going to hit the ground running and which teams do you think might struggle this year?
1: Well, I'm a Liverpool fan. So <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. But I, I think it will be really interesting because uh, it's been a long break. You really don't know what kind of effect. Such a you know such a long mid-season break would bring mm. it'll be it'll be really interesting. But for for me, there's there's only one that I really care.
2: <laughs> <laughs> As what Liu just said, I think it's very very intriguing. It's almost like the start of the season where you don't know who will 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 start well and and who needs a few weeks to pick up form. Manchester United in their treble season, they drew their first game against you know a, a rele- relegation contenders uh, in 1998. So you really don't know what to expect, especially for, for after a mid-season break of three months. So for me, I look at two factors, you know, motivation and. Uh, linked to that is difficulty of fixtures so like I said you know there there, there are all these teams that are, are trying to fight for a place in Europe I think they'll be highly motivated and mm-hmm. the, the teams in, in the bottom, maybe five or six, they'll be motivated to, to try and win games to, to, to get out of of a pickle. So, you will be happy to, to, to hear this. I think Liverpool will be one of those who, who do well because, you know, their 100-point record. And Mo Salah is also chasing the golden boot. So, I think you know, they'll, they'll be in fine form. Manchester United, I think, might do decent. They've got a couple of players back after injury. Man City might take a while because they have some games against Arsenal, Chelsea and Liverpool in the, among their first four games back. And Chelsea, also, um, you know, their fixtures aren't too kind, so I think they might find it a little tough.
0: Okay, well, we've got two minutes on the clock, and I'm going to put both of you on the spot here. I want to know, which three teams do you think will join Liverpool in claiming a place in next season's Champions League? And which three teams do you think will be relegated? So, Zali, do you want to go first?
2: Yeah, so for me, I think, um, you know, City will will get there uh, to to join Liverpool. I think Manchester United and Wolves, you know, who are actually out of, The top four currently will climb uh, up into the that that uh, top four bracket, and I think they they'll be in uh, Champions League for relegation. Norwich, like I said, you know they, mathematically still alive, but I don't think for much longer. Uh, Mm. Aston Villa and either Watford or West Ham. Although you know, if you if you a gun to my head, I'll
1: say uh, Watford is going down.
0: And what about you, Liu? Uh,
1: For me, I guess uh, you know uh, Manchester City is uh, clearly. Uh, you know the one that would join Liverpool. Um, the, the 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 next two is really you know uh, anyone's guess. Uh, I'm gonna guess Chelsea and Leicester. Yeah. And uh, in terms of going down, it's so tight at the bottom. There, like I mean seven, eight possible clubs, right? So I know that Norwich is a definite for the other two. I have no idea. West Ham would be one of them and uh, I have no idea. One who, more name? Who, who <laughs> the third one would be.
0: <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much uh, for your time. I okay, well, there goes the final whistle on yeah, our sports SMB discussion live. of the week. We hope you enjoyed listening to us. Glad to have you both on the line. Thank you, Sazali and Liu. Thank you. Thank you. thank you. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times.